and have your way in this church, Lord. Come and have your way in our lives, Lord. Oh, we desire you, Lord, and we need you, Lord. And we come this morning, Lord, giving ourselves to you, Lord. We surrender to you, Lord. And we say, have your way, Bless Lord. Bless your holy name. Oh, speak through Pastor Paul yes, this Lord. morning, Lord. Give him words, Lord. Yes, thank you. Give him words, Lord. Flow through him, Holy Spirit. Oh, we long for you, Lord, and we long to be changed by you, Lord. Thank you. Come and have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Ooh, I thought we had church at first service this morning. Man, you guys are worshiping. God created an environment around him of worship. That's why you start to feel breakthrough. You start to see things happen when people start worshiping together, especially in a corporate setting. It's a corporate setting around the throne of God. We're joining with all creation. Bless you. I'm so glad you're here. A lot of choices you could make, and today you chose Church on the Hill. And God bless you. We are so glad to have you. Oh, man, what a morning. My little baby... Sarah Bett. Well, first off, we've got Rita Marie up here with uh, Bible drills, and she's moving up, and she, well, they, they got announced to the world she's moving up to youth group, and I haven't quite accepted that one yet. And then uh, Sarah Bett went back to her class. She's five, and came running back in and said, Mommy, Daddy, I move up this week. Oh, man, are you kidding? We've got to give you up that she starts kindergarten this morning. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of neat how today's working out. Today's graduation Sunday for the kids moving up. And today I'm preaching on change, handling change. You know, just in those two situations with you, I've got, I've, you're going to be listening to me every Sunday now on, on Sunday mornings. <laughs> no more children's church. Uh, but what adjustments we have to make, especially right now with the, with the school changing and you know, we were looking at staggered schedules, which, praise God, they have reversed that. <laughs> Somebody heard the Holy Spirit, didn't they? <laughs> oh, laugh with me. I'm, I don't want to be sacrilegious, but I, I was sure praying for it. I didn't want to spend an hour dropping my kids off to three different schools. And Anyway, um, but bless you, man. You guys are worshiping. You know, the kids are dancing. The adults are dancing. People are shouting. Breakthroughs happening. God's moving, and God loves it. God loves it when you start to truly give your heart in worship. I've been preaching on that on Wednesday nights about surrendering in worship. It's not just a song service. We're not just singing four songs just to do the music part and move on to the next part. We're going into worship to try to encounter the manifest presence of God and have impact, have, have us change. And that's what today's all about is change. When's the last time you asked yourself, why do I come to church? Why do you come to church? Have you ever thought about it? You know, maybe you come, kids, youth, because your parents make you come. I can understand. I grew up in that kind of household. My parents made me go. Maybe you're here because you like the free coffee. I guarantee you, you ask some of these young guys, you ask them why they come, they'll say for the gum. Ask them. They, when they, I've heard about children going into other churches and saying, man, that was good, but where was the gun? <laughs> it's all right. They, they got something to look forward to. 
Maybe you think, if I'll show up enough, maybe when my time comes or when Jesus comes back, the Lord will recognize me and let me in. That may sound like it's a little bit far-fetched, but people really believe that. You know, about parents taking their kids to church and making them. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the responsibility of the parent. You know, with me, and I think a lot of people have had this happen, you grew up going to church all your life, finally you get outside the nest and you just say, the heck with it. I'm not going to go anymore. And you get out from under that, you start making your own decisions, and because of what your parents had ingrained in you, you start to feel empty, and you wind up going back. There is something about parents taking their kids to church. It's God's process for you to lead them. And when they get out from under you, they won't fall apart. It's good. Church is good. If you've been coming the last couple of weeks, you're going to see, you would see the church is going to win. Amen? Amen. I think some of the reasons why or the main reason why we come to church is because we have needs. I think we come to, with a need to be different, with a need to grow, with a need to change. And that's one thing that we all have in common. And you might argue with me at first, but that we all need to change. Maybe you'd say, I don't need to change. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel like that you could be more patient with your kids? Teenagers, young adults, do you feel like you could be more patient with your parents? Everybody's looking around. The kids look. The adults look. Yes. I would hope you'd answer yes. Do you ever wish you could worry less about the circumstances that are going on in your life? You ever think you need to change your worry patterns? Do you need help there? Wouldn't you like to get a better control of the thoughts that you have? Think about the things that go through your mind. It's a need thing. We have a need to change. Throughout the last few months, we've been looking at some of the names, in the, uh, the names of God in the Bible. And did you know that there is a name of God? God has given a name, given us one of His names to meet every need that we have. Every need. You need provision, you've got Jehovah Jireh. You need healing, you've got Jehovah Rophi. You need peace, you've got Jehovah Shalom. There is a name of God to call on for every need that you have. Pastor, what do you mean about change? Well, let me show it to you. Jehovah Mekadesh. I am the God who sanctifies you. What does sanctify mean? It means to set apart. It means to take you where you are and place you somewhere else. It means for you to change. God wants to change you. He does not want you to remain the same. He gives himself a name that responds to the needs that we have. Today, we've got people here who are genuine, sincere seekers. Checking this God thing out. Never gone to church. You know, been kind of hearing a little bit about it. You come in here and man, I mean, we've got the whistles blowing and people are shouting and, whoa, what is going on in here? You know, something feels weird about it, but at the same time, something feels right about it. Man, I'm uncomfortable, but something feels right about it. It's the presence of God. It, it, sometimes you just need somebody to identify it for you. It feels uncomfortable. Man, that person dancing makes me uncomfortable, but 
Something feels right about it. Have you ever been there? But people are checking this thing out. But then there's some that's been Christians for 50 years. Sincere, devoted, whole heart going out to their relationship with God. And then there's those that are in between. And it doesn't matter which one applies to you. This message is for you. God wants to change you. If you're already a Christian, God is changing you. God is at work. The good news is he's not done with you yet. Those that want to claim the age card, well, I'm just too old, God must be done with me, is wrong. That's a cop-out. That's Satan trying to say, you don't need to do anything else. Look at Sarah, 90-something plus years. Abraham's 100. And what does God do? He starts a nation with him. God's not done with you. Maybe you're 10 years old, just gave your heart to the Lord. You, uh, you uh, mustard seed, got these kids that's just given their heart to God. Because they're five years old doesn't mean they can't be used. God used Samuel at a young age. I've had my kids speak, speak on behalf of God to me. God can use them. God will use them. Little Grace, I think that was her down here dancing. Just blessed my heart. I'm sitting here battling through worship, you know, letting the Lord move me. And then I look over there and my girls are dancing, which touches me, but then I see her. It's like, uh, okay, God, you can just take me now. You know, don't let, you know what, whenever you see these girls up here dancing or uh, adults up here dancing, be careful that you don't judge that. Michael, David's wife, judged his worship, and she was barren for it. She was barren for it, so be careful. Give it to God. Find it in Scripture. If, it doesn't, if you feel like it doesn't line up with you, call me. Let's sit down and let's talk about it. But the Lord said, let the little children come, and let them come like a child, not like an adult. Come like a child. A child doesn't care. And a child doesn't care to ask you 50,000 times for the same thing. And they don't care if they hear a no. They just keep asking. They don't care if you're on the phone. I'm on the phone. Well, then answer me. God wants to change you. You know, if you're a Christian and you're not changing, I would question it. Because God's going to change you. You know, it's good to question whether you're saved or not. It's good. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will confirm it in you. You need con confirmation regularly. Let me tell you, I need confirmation regularly that God's at work in my life. But a lot of people think they're not good enough to be a Christian. You know what? You're not. None of us are. You don't have to get your act together. You know, if you're not a Christian... The great thing about God is you don't have to fix yourself to come to Him. I said this this morning in first service. You know, it's, it's something about grandparents that buy their little kids these unbelievably horrible, difficult assembling toys. You know, the parents get to spend the whole next three days yelling at their kids, yelling at their wife, yelling at God about this toy that you got to put together. Then you got all these parts left over. You know, that's always a good thing. What, where does this go, Daddy? Oh, it goes in the trash. <laughs> but the great thing about God is, when you come to Him, there is no assembly required. 
He has made you just the way He wants you. And He knows what you're coming in with. And He died for you even when you were a sinner. It says that He loved you even when you were a sinner. There's no need to try to clean yourself up beforehand. There's plenty of time for that after. Amen? The promise is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says what? Whoops. There we go. What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore for the old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now this is not just an uh, uh, evangelical message this morning. It's going to be for us all. But you know what? Some old lives went down in that water this morning. And they're dead. They're not coming back. They're going down with that drain when we unplug that. Never to return. The new man's come out. That's gone. Those little kids that went in there, that old little Grace, that old little um, Michaela, Leighton, all that were baptized. It's a new day. A new life has begun. The old life is gone. The old life is referring to a life without relationship with Jesus. It's our old spiritual nature. The new life has begun. It's a new life. It's a new supernatural relationship with God. It's when we go from being God's creation to God's child. There's a difference. There's a difference. It's when you might go from being a seeker to someone who is saved. A new life has begun. In this new life, we're in the process of being sanctified or the process of being changed. The Apostle Paul summarizes this real well in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. Praise God. If Paul hasn't reached there yet, I might feel like I'm okay. I know I've not reached it yet. Do you feel like you've reached perfection? That's where you say. We haven't. Apostle Paul was an extremely educated person. The power of God was moving through him like none, none before or ever after. You know, he's written two-thirds of the New Testament. And he's saying, it's not that I've arrived. I'm not there yet. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I'm still not all I should be, for I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us up to heaven. The big idea here is that we're in a new race. And this new race or journey or process, God wants to change us. He wants to take your discontent and change it to joy. He wants to take your insecurity and change it to peace. He wants to take your bitterness to goodness. He wants to take your lust to genuine love. He wants to take our mean streak and transform it to goodness. He wants to take our edgy personalities and transform it to patience. God is in the change business. Now, my wife is going through a Sunday school class with uh, Bill Owinghouse is teaching it and David Trumbly and Part of last night was she had to do a personality test with me and her. I'm like, great. 
we started going through those, and those of you that went through it know they were very similar things. It's hard to know which one to rate where, and by the end of it, I felt like I was just, you're laughing because you've done it. I felt like I was just terrible. I'm just a big jerk. Did they, is that what it said at the end? Big jerk. But God made me just the way he wanted me. And when I start answering these personality tests, it's how God created me. Now, that doesn't mean when I see where my weaknesses are that I just say, that's just who I am and you're just going to have to deal with me. No, God says, you got a weak spot right here. Come on right here. You need to grow. Have you ever felt the Lord or have you ever had a parent say, you need to grow right there. That hurts. Ooh, God says that to me a lot. You need to grow. <laughs> he wants to take our anger and our rage and change it to gentleness. He wants to take that which is out of control and transform it to self-control. God doesn't want to just fine-tune our manners and make us into some little quiet little Christians. That's not what he's about. He's about transforming our character. If you were saved five years ago, you should not be the same person today. Some of you are thinking, you know what, that sounds nice because you don't have a lot of changing to do. But you don't know about me. You don't know about my past and what's going on. You're right, I don't. And I don't understand. But I know me. And I know what Scripture says. And I know the things that I've had to walk through. And I've had to walk through some of your stuff. And I've seen God move. And I've seen God change. You know, there were some things in my life, some struggles that I thought I would have to deal with the rest of my life, that it would never change. I would just have these struggles the rest of my life. But you know what? God has transformed them. Have you ever thought, I'm just going to have to live with that? That's just a personality trait or that's something in my life that I'm just going to have to live with. You don't have to live with it. Let God start trying, let God start changing it. You know, we haven't arrived. We're not there, but I can see. I can see what God does. And I used to say this. That's just the way I am. You know, one of the greatest things that I think that we have taught here in this church is our gifts class. We had a, our foundations class and then the gifts class. And the gifts class helps identify. It's kind of like a personality test. But it identifies in the spiritual giftings kind of where you're strong and where you're weak. The problem with personality tests and gift testings is it, uh, it sometimes becomes a crutch. You know, my, my spiritual giftings, when I took the test, my, I score high in administration and giving. And I score almost zero in mercy. And as a pastor, that doesn't work. God, I'm terrible at this. It's like, I know. <laughs> You're not telling me nothing I don't know. But instead of always reacting, well, I'm sorry, I'm just not very merciful. You're just going to have to get over it. It's who I am. No. God says, I'm going to strengthen that. Come to me and I'll strengthen that. Where you're weak, I will be made strong. And where you think you're strong, I'll give you real strength. You think you're good at this. I told you all a few months ago that the Lord was dealing with me in my strengths. I've been, the Lord's been showing me where I think I'm good, I'm not that good. But when God comes in, mm. but so many times we want to say, that's just how I am. You're just going to have to receive me. No, 
That's wrong. That's how a child responds. We're, we're here to change. Church, are you with me? We're here to change. That's not just the way I am. God wants to change me. God wants to change me. How does God change us? How does the change process happen? Some of you are here today because you've seen your neighbor. Your neighbor goes to church here and you've seen a change in their life. Or a family member. You've seen people that go to church and people coming home changed. What is it? What's going on over there at that church or at another church? You know, it's not just here. God's moving in His church and He will continue to move in His church. But what is it? There's something up. But there are two extreme thoughts when it comes to change that we have and neither one of them are biblical. One extreme is that the change that takes place is all God. God does it all. All we have to do is just kick back and just let him do what he wants. Kick back on the couch with this theory, and if I don't change, if I don't transform, then it's God's fault. God, I came up Sunday and I said, change me. But you've not done nothing for me. That was good grammar. You've not done nothing for me. I came up and I said, change me, God. And then I went back to my life, regular, same way, doing the same exact things. Nothing's happened. We think we're just going to lay down and all of a sudden, poof, I'm different. And I've got it all together. He messed up and, I, and he, doesn't, he can't hold me accountable because God blew it. The other extreme is, it's all up to me. I have to do it all. I have to work, work, work. I have to do, do, do. I've got to work and I've got to do and I've got to transform my behavior and my personality. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches about change. The biblical position of sanctification is that there is a God part and there is an our part or a my part. God's part is His power our part is our cooperation. We cooperate with the, in this process of change, but God's power through His Holy Spirit controls the process. You know, Joe McGee has taught on this. It's just not been exactly worded this way. Joe McGee says, you do the natural, God will do the supernatural. You know... When Elizabeth and I had, had a, a, fin a financial crisis in our life, Joe McGee came right at that time and taught on it and taught about doing the natural and doing the supernatural. We had to physically change our lifestyle. And in changing our lifestyle, God moved miraculously. He moved like we have never seen Him move ever before. But I believe we have to do the natural. God gives you a free will. He did not create you to be some robot. He allows you to walk out on your own and to choose. Are you going to choose Him? Or are you going to choose you? Or the world? And when you choose Him, He is able to move in miracles in your life. But when you don't choose Him, He's a good Father to step back and to let you go. I'm still here, but you're getting out on your own. I have a way. That way works. Stick with me, and I will move in your life. There is an our part, and there is a God part. God, we cooperate. God controls it. 
It's God's spirit in us that does the changing and we do the cooperating. And you know what? If you miss this, you're going to miss something big because God wants to change us. And if you miss out on this process, then you miss out on becoming everything that God wants you to be. And it is far greater than you can ever imagine. Far greater than you can think or imagine. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you for today, and I thank you for this group of people that's here today. And Lord, I just ask you to help us to realize we haven't arrived. We haven't arrived. There was a word that was given a few months ago by my mother that says we're not where we're going. We're not where we were, but we're not where we're, go- where we're, we're not there yet. We're not where we're going. Lord, it is a process. It is a journey. And Lord, I just ask you to help us to have a willing heart. Lord, you desire for us to place ourselves and place our church on the potter's wheel. And Lord, on, a, on the potter's wheel, it's vulnerable. It gets spun around so much that you don't even know where you are. And there's water involved and the hands have to go on it and push it around and make it molded into what needs to be. Lord, help us to have a heart that desires to have you change us. Thank you, Lord. If there is anybody here under the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is that day. Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. For you. And no matter what you've come in here with, you have tried to make ends meet every way you know, but you just can't make it. Would you give your heart to Jesus? Scripture says that if you will just confess Jesus is Lord, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead, you will be saved. And you know what? You're thinking, you don't know what I've done. Scripture says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I've sinned. The person sitting next to you has sinned. God says, come just how you are. You don't have to fix yourself at all. Would you come? Would you come? Would y'all stand with me, please? And those that are ministering, would y'all come forward? If you would like somebody to pray for you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, we want to pray with you. If you want somebody to pray with you about changing your life, about allowing the Lord to change you, step out and let us pray with you. If you have a prayer need, if you have a health issue, you know God's a healer. He's not stopped healing. God's a restorer. Maybe you've got a marriage that's about to fall apart. You know, God is in the marriage business. He created marriage and He loves marriage. Come up here and let us pray for you. If you've got a situation with your kids, with your finances, God wants to know and He wants to help you. Would you step out? Amen. Given you my heart, all that is within, lay it all down for the sake of you, my King. Given you my dreams, laying down my rise. Given. 
Yeah. 